On this episode of Resi Week, Almo extends credit terms and building a wellness team. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 218, Benefits Not Features. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Draper, focused on innovative solutions. And by Just Add Power, the global leader in video over IP solutions with systems that give you easy installation, unmatched scalability, and outstanding performance. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I am pleased to be joined by uh, a whole slew of good friends. We've got Mark Chikowski. He is the CEO of Clarity AV. How are you, sir? Well, well thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. We have Jamie Briesmeister. She is the CEO slash boss lady at Integration Controls out of St. Louis. How are you, ma'am? Very well. Thank you. Then we have Dan Fulmer. He is the CEO and founder of Full Tech Solutions. How are you, sir? Great. Thanks for having me. And last but certainly not least, we have Chad Russell. He is the National Sales Director at Josh AI. How are you, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, Before we jump into our first story of the day, I want to touch on two quick topics. One, if you've missed the, the interwebs, and this will matter for the people going live, not necessarily so much for when this posts, but uh, we here at Aviation are really excited and, and super proud to be hosting the Learn From Home Summit that starts tomorrow at 8 a.m. Uh, I'm hosting it. Sorry about that. But it's going to be fantastic. We've got Jeremy Burkhardt. We've got Mitch Klein. We've got uh, Alex from Josh AI. We have uh, Charlie Kindle from C4. We have uh, David Weinstein from Lutron. We have this huge list of people uh, who are doing sessions and breakouts and, and keynotes uh, starting, as I said, on Tuesday and Wednesday. It uh, essentially will kick off at 8 a.m. Eastern every day. Uh, and then at noon with a, the, the second keynote and breakouts following that. And then at 8 o'clock at night. So we can get the East Coast, the West Coast, and everybody in between. And, you know, kind of respect that you can't sit in front of a webinar all day long doing stuff. Shout out to Chad for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's an inside joke. No one will get it. Uh, secondly, the second note I wanted to touch on was that Castro Communications has added Crestron Home to their client portfolio. That's a, that's a really big deal. If you know anybody from the Castor team, uh, we do a lot, of, uh, a lot of work with them as well. They are a fantastic group of, of marketers. And this is, this is a big deal. They've, they've been a big partner with Control4 for, for quite a few years. And uh, this is the first time they've kind of been on the smart home market for a while. And it's great to see that they have joined forces with Crestron. Looking forward to seeing what they can do with them together. It's going to be, it's going to be beautiful. Looking forward to it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's, uh, let's kick back to our first story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems. Almo Professional AV has launched the Almo Financial Relief Alliance. Lots of words there, but essentially what they're doing is the Alliance is a partnership between their manufacturing vendors, and they're going to offer an additional 30 days of extended credit to qualified resellers. Again, Almo is primarily in the the commercial market, but there are a ton of residential uh, 
dealers that are playing in that residential space and they can take advantage of this. It, it's a really cool thing in these, you know, this kind of unprecedented period where your, your accounts receivable may not be as great as you normally want it to be. And uh, you still are trying to do business and you have vendors out there that are looking for their money. And uh, this is a really nice thing to see. So I want to start this off with Mark. Uh, this, as I, as I kind of alluded to, this is kind of a big deal in the sense that we very rarely see uh, suppliers modify their terms. Is this something, this is the first one that I've heard of. Uh, maybe others are doing it, but I'm unaware of it at the moment. Is this something that you expect to see other vendors kind of follow suit with or, or at least start a discussion with some of their suppliers as well as their, their clients? Yeah, and I think it's going to be in a variety of ways. I mean, there's so many ways to just to, 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 to work your financing because, you know, the cash is king, you know, how much terms do you give, uh, you know, how credit worthy are people, you know, how, how, how is uh, the business overall, you know, cash flow is going to be a more important component as we go on for, for every kind of business, whether you're a manufacturer integrator or, or whatever. And just, you know, being on the manufacturer side for years, like I have in the past, I'd spent a lot of time with our credit manager because, customers that I was either trying to get credit for or get extended terms. There's a lot that goes into that. And manufacturers, I, I believe, you know, with the whole kind of the whole industry and nation, hopefully it will have this help each other kind of mentality, but then it's got to have parameters too, right? Cause it's going to yeah. come down to, you know, I'm very confident we're going to get through this at a reasonable time and then we're going to get back to business. And if we did the wrong things financially, that's going to help hurt us for, for years. And I think it could even uh, be to, to a detriment if you help companies in, in ways that you're going to hurt your own business. So, I mean, I think we're going to see some things that will hopefully help over this relatively short term so nobody has a crystal ball of when this thing is going to be stabilized if that's you know that's really the best word I can think of is that two months six months so I think you're going to see some some scenarios where maybe manufacturers will give that 30-day extended term like Almo's Al, uh, thinking of I could also see people saying okay you have this much outstanding uh, three separate payments and yeah. let's see where we are you know things like that that don't extend it out too far but give some flexibility to that dealer or integrator to pay their bills and keep doing business because they probably don't have very much income coming in because look, look at the, look at the snowball. Are their customers paying them? Right. So they don't have money to pay the manufacturer. So I think, you know, being creative, you know, working to help each other, being smart about it, but the underlying component, if anybody is out there as an integrator asking for certain terms and you owe money, communicate with the person you owe money to. That's the, biggest message I can give right now because when it goes silent it gets weird and if, if people think you're not gonna pay them then other things happen collections all the nasty stuff communicate let them know your situation and try to work something out that way yeah very good Jamie when you see this it brings to mind for me that this isn't just a integrator to vendor relationship this is also your obviously your accounts payable in your business but it's also your accounts receivable how do you go about, you know, balancing, knowing that you may be shut down, most states and, you know, up here, most provinces are pretty much shut down. There's very little work going on. How do you balance and, you know, to Mark's point, communicate between the people that you owe money to and the people that owe you money? Uh, I think one of the best things that you can do is um, realize the situation that you're in and plan ahead where you can. 
Uh, we have two projects right now that are kind of at that optimal stage where um, we have a we have a draw request and for both we had a draw re request anyway and on one we even advanced the next draw and that was supply chain management it was let's plan to do work in our house let's plan to do work in office um, by in-house that's what i mean like wherever you station your business out of um, so that they kind of cash influxed and almost guaranteed that work to be done they guaranteed their product to show up they guarantee that we would be there to do the work. Um, and it's been invaluable during this time. Um, we have had some clients maybe reluctant to pay. Uh, thankfully, not so much. Um, but that's not, that's not the case for every integrator. Uh, so communication is certainly the best way for uh, the world to work and certainly for you to get money in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. Dan, the... I, th I think one of the biggest things that's going to come out of this in general is, you know, two weeks in for most integrators, you're really starting to see which integrators have cash flow issues that they did not plan well enough, shall we say, or there's external things that are, that are causing cash flow problems coming out of this. How can integrators specifically learn how to manage their cash flow better? Gosh, well, this is now the second time we've learned this lesson. If you've been in business a while from 2007 and eight, um, you know, I think diversification's kind of key. Uh, being pigeonholed to one single market uh, can be dangerous nowadays. And again, we saw that in 07 and 08. Um, we had just happened and I didn't have a crystal ball. I was like, oh, you were smart. I had no idea it was coming, but we had just happened in 2007 to have borrowed money and lost a full commercial division uh, right before the market had crashed. So uh, luckily and blessedly so, uh, we got through that. Um, but our residential side literally hit a wall and stopped. Uh, and it was overnight. Uh, I was actually working on a project in the Bahamas, came back here, everybody's sitting around, I'm like, what's going on? Everybody's like, hey, there's nothing going on. It's shut down. And I said, what? And called some builders and they were like, yeah, literally shut down. So uh, I think being diversified is key. Uh, I think Mark and Jamie broke, brought up good points. Uh, you know, one is communicate with your vendors, the people you owe money to, and your clients, the people that owe you money. Um, I think another thing in, in tough times, and I've seen some other integrators do this across the country as well, uh, is maybe start asking for more money up front yeah. um, so that, you know, you're covering all of your cost. Uh, you know, maybe if you're delivering the products, for instance, 100% uh, of the product uh, finance is due as soon as it's delivered, and then you get another draw to do labor, and that helps a year cash flow keep going. Uh, I think it's fair and equitable to the customer as well, since they're paying for what's actually been delivered. Um, so I think things like that are key. Otherwise, it's, you know, I mean, as an integrator and a, and a small business for now 25 years I've been in business, Cash flow is a tough thing. It's, it's hard to say, oh, prepare for this and, you know, stick a lot of cash somewhere. I've been trying to do that for 25 years. So, you know, it's, it's great to think that. And I think a lot of people nowadays conflate small business with all business. So you hear these negative stories online or on the news or whatnot about what big businesses are doing to their employees. And, you know, we're, we're fighting, and I know most small business owners like myself are fighting super hard to keep our employees paid, working if they want to, 
and somewhat productive during this downtime now. And I think it's one of the most important things that small business owners are dealing with right now is dealing with our employees and how do we continue to help them get through this as well as our businesses. Because if we aren't here uh, at the outcome of this, those employees are out of luck as well. Um, and we'll have a larger market than we've ever had, presumably looking for jobs coming out of this. So, uh, and there'll be a lack of jobs. And I've already seen several restaurants and businesses here shut down permanently just after the short shutdown we've had already. So, you know, there will be businesses going out of business and there will be a lack of jobs and then more people looking for jobs. So I think that's a big part of what we're trying to do is just manage, manage that cash flow enough so we can keep our, our, our employees working or paid if they're home and, uh, you know, keep productivity going as, as well as we can. We've got some government clients. Uh, we've got some commercial clients where their businesses are basically shut down, but it's a great time for us to go, do, go in there and do stuff that they've been planning for a while but didn't want to do because they had to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Well, now that's automatically come up. These places are relatively clean because no one's been in there for weeks. So, uh, you know, it's actually a good environment to work in. So it's, 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 I think innovating, watching your cash flow, communication, all that is important right now. Yeah, very good. Chad, as a, you know, I'm going to make you pull on your, hey, I work at Josh AI manufacturer hat for a minute. Um, when you see this and when you see, you know, what everyone's talking about, and he's even got the hat. That's perfect. Um, when you when you see this, looking at it from that manufacturer side, is this something that you want to address in a temporary situation? Is, is this strictly just a temporary situation? Or should this start to lean towards future changes down the road to, you know, Dan's point and Jamie's point of maybe integrators need to start taking more money up front? You don't buy really anything anymore without paying for that thing that you're ordering in. Almost nobody does that except for our channel. You know, it, it, it's such a different thing. Is, is that something that, you know, from the manufacturer side that you'll see that start to occur where they, they you know, you change your model a little bit or is it just going to be a temporary blip till we're out of this and then back to business as normal? I think Josh is a little bit, I think there's a lot of ways to unpack that question because Josh being traditionally more, we're a software company, we make a couple pieces of hardware. So that, that aspect of it is a little bit different. I think when you look at it in terms of the integrator side, you have seen a large shift and really since to Dan's point back to 2007, 2008, a lot of integrators have started taking a lot more money up front to the point that that final payment ends up being at 10%. So whereas if you just lose out on that part of it for some details that they're still able to have their operating capital and have the product paid for. Um, this time. I think that things are a little bit different in that we don't know when this is going to really, if this is a short-term situation, is this a long-term? But I, one thing I've noticed is how different this seems to be from market to market on whether or not they've really shut down and really sequestered everyone at home. And then the bigger question is how does that affect pipeline and how do you keep that pipeline going? And then what are you doing in order to prepare yourself for when we come out of this in the past, in, in the future? But, you know, to get back to the point of your question, you know, for us, it's, 
I think that some manufacturers have started. I mean, we, we do ever operate on credit card, but right now in this temporary time, we're being more flexible. If someone has a lot of product projects, they're coming at us, they can come to us and ask us about that. And I think some other manufacturers have even been leaning towards that as well. Uh, to the point of the, of the discussion earlier about with, with Almo, it's what we're seeing now is I think good partners are being re re receptive to being good partners and trying to help get the small businesses of America out of this. And I think it's a scary time for that. And, and I think it needs to get back to really how we plan on how we're going to, what, what can we do during this downtime in order to be a better company when we come out? What are the things that we're missing to make us more efficient that we didn't really have time to? To address before but you know that said in some of these markets some of the integrators we speak to on a week-to-week -week basis or even day-to-day -day, they are cranking along so busy right now that they're still not seeing any signs of slowdown in the markets that haven't been uh, kind of sequestered to stay at home yeah yeah we you know and i think um we're we're pretty lucky at the moment as well like we're pretty busy the challenge is that uh we are under a statewide stay-at-home order, so there's restrictions. And then there's also the impression of uh, us being out in the work, out, out in the world doing work. Some clients want us there, some don't. Some employees feel comfortable with it, some don't. Uh, we can take every protective measure that we have, but it still doesn't change the comfort factor. Um, getting back to the dollars and cents of it all, though, uh, we read a great book at one point in our company's history called Profit First. And for those integrators who are listening, it's a fantastic read that helps you understand how to um, manage that cash flow better. Because one of the things I, I've seen in other industries, and we certainly experienced it as a young company, um, you get paid a lot of money up front potentially, and you've got all this cash. And so everything looks like you've got you know, an endless bank account to order everything you need. And why not go ahead and do that extra marketing spend? And why not go out once or twice or take your team out three or four extra times because it looks like you've got a lot of money to burn, but not necessarily. So um, what that book kind of helped outline is like, oh yeah, let's get that money in that big chunk of cash, but let's divvy it up right away first. Let's put our, you know, the, the cost of the goods and the payables here. Let's put our profit in a separate bank account and keep that over there so we don't even want to spend it. Um, we've been doing that for a while and managing it through this thing is really helping quite a bit. Um, getting back to the point of keeping as little on the table as possible at the end, that's been preached in a lot of the uh, CEDIA courses that I've taken over time to keep that last 5% if you can at the very end instead of 10 or 20 or 50. That way you collect your profit along the way and you're only dangling out there a tiny bit at the end. Yeah, that's a very good point. All right, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from our residential tech today. Three lessons for building an effective wellness tech team. Uh, this is written by the one and only Jamie Briesmeister. And I'll have you know, if I was more willing to pay for a copyright uh, fee, I totally would have played that track for you. Um, but I don't want to pay for it, so you don't get it. Uh, stop, listen, and collaborate. This is essentially about the uh, wellness movement that is growing and how to build a better team around uh, not only selling, but working with uh, clients and potential clients on the wellness side. Jamie, I, I'm going to start with you on this one. And uh, great article, first of all. Uh, but 
secondly, as you start to look at this, and I'd like to think, and this is my putting on rosy glasses, we're awesome at what we do within this industry in general. I'd like to think that we already do this. Again, before you jump, I'd like to think that. I know better, but I'd like to think that this is what we do. When we start talking about, or when you start talking about, you know, stopping to take the time to understand what's going on, to collaborate with those uh, other people that are involved in this decision because it's not done in a vacuum. And then, you know, listening to all of those other people. Again, we'd like to think we do this and that our teams are already built around this. How does this process that you're talking about here, how does it vary or, or change compared to how we'd like to think that we've already built our teams that are dealing with you know, just integration on right. this scale? Well, I guess, um, you know, <clears throat> I wrote this article because I think uh, I, I have the impression a lot of people uh, in this industry think that they are a good collaborator in the design build space. And my question to them, if they think they are, is uh, do you enjoy the process? Do you enjoy it? Is it fun for you? Do you find that you're fighting constantly? Uh, to be heard or what have you and if it's painful and if you fight the process and you have bad names for designers or architects or what have you um, then you probably aren't as good at it as you think you are um, this is kind of this is my process in a way and you know I chalk it up to vanilla ice because you know <clears throat> I was in my era um, and with enough cocktails, I can do a damn good karaoke of it. Um, but but it's more it's more about stopping the sales pressure and stopping pushing your product and really looking at the solution, which I think is a challenge for a lot of people in our industry, especially the sales side um, and the listening side. You know, I've I, we've talked a little bit before about using two ears, you know, to hear more in one mouth to to speak less. Um, and I think what's different here is that we're realizing that maybe it's not our objective that needs to be met. There's something else there. Uh, the wellness movement, as we see it in our industry, is very colored by the technology that we can apply. But the well-bill standard actually has a whole checklist of other things that apply as well that have nothing to do with technology. So if we're working in that collaborative space, we need to be aware of the fact that the goal might not just be what you can offer in technology. You might have a cool thing to offer, but perhaps your cool thing isn't part of the overall wellness objective for that particular project. Um, sure, we can do air filtration and circadian lighting and all of that, um, but that doesn't have the same value a lot of times depending on what the goals of the project are. So by collaborating, by listening, and stopping your objective to sell, uh, I think you'll end up with a better result. Very good. Dan, to kind of, and I'm going to possibly dance around this a little bit, but to, to kind of flip the script a little bit. When you're in a situation where you're doing the best you can to, to Jamie's point, to, to, to listen, to collaborate, to be a effective and respectful partner and there's someone else in that chain who looks to you and say you're the technology person yet you don't matter 
and they're constantly butting heads with you. How do you go about continuing to, to be a good player, to continuing to be a good partner, but having to deal with that challenge? Well, I'd like to think, um, even after listening to Jamie, that we do a pretty good job in this, in this collaborative uh, effort. Um, but, uh, you know, what I mostly tell people is, look, we're both working for the client. Um, you know, we work with all kinds of subs from HVAC to electricians to, you know, any other trade on the job site to designers, builders, architects, et cetera, et cetera. So we, you know, my approach has always been, if we work together, the client's happy, we'll get paid quicker, there's less problems and less headaches. If, if we do this finger pointing thing, it slows the process, everybody gets upset, none of us look better, and it holds up the funding usually because all these problems have happened. So usually we haven't had a lot of problems with that. I mean, we try to get everybody on the same page. You know, we're all trying to accomplish X, um, this is what the client wants, and what's the best way for us to, you know, collaboratively get together and make sure all that happens. Um, so generally, once you usually have that discussion, you know, I'll use, hey, look, here's my cell phone. If you have a problem, call me directly. Let's figure it out, work it out real quick, and then we can move on to the next thing. But don't be adversarial, I think, is a main part of that. Don't be cocky. Oh, we're the tech guys, or I'm the network guy, and you don't know what you're doing, or, you know, all that stuff will shut people down real quick. Um, I think maybe I could have written, rewritten it and just said, don't be cocky, period, the end, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, were you going to um, use a picture of me? Right. Because right. that would fit. Don't be like this guy. Um, I think that's a lot of the problem is people, people kind of get defensive uh, when they're somewhat attacked. You know, I tend to laugh a lot of stuff off, so maybe that helps. But, you know, generally it's just, hey, let's, let's all work together. You know, what's our goal? Our goal is to get paid and get finished with this job. You know, I think it's, uh, to do fact, that, we've got to keep the client happy, um, keep things moving forward. Us pointing fingers just makes us all look bad. So, you know, if you have a problem, call me up. Uh, if I have a problem, I'll call you. If not, we'll call, you know, Joe or Bob over here and, and get everything figured out and get the schedule worked out and, you know, let's move forward. So uh, the real thing is just, you know, and I think there are probably a few people in an industry who, who get defensive uh, overly defensive when stuff like that comes up. And that's the key is don't get defensive. Um, you know, demur to them, uh, you know, laugh things off a little bit. And, and really your goal is to get done. And if you want to get done, starting fights doesn't help the, that process at all. It usually slows yeah. it down. Um, and no matter how good you think you're going to look or how bad the other person looks, no one looks good. Um, Everybody thinks I'm going to come out of this looking like the rose. If there's a problem, no one looks great. So, you know, our thing is to try to, you know, a, not hide the problems, but keep them to a minimum so that they're not problems, really. They're just, hey, this issue came up. We solved it. We move forward and we get the job done and then we get paid and go home. I mean, that's really our goal. Yeah, very good. Chad, uh, as, as I said, kind of right off the top, we all think we're really good at this, but I bet if you went and asked most of the partners that we all work with, they'd say, sometimes you are and sometimes you're cocky. At, or maybe that's just me. But I know what happens to me. How do, you, how do you look inside and look at your company and understand you know, your own misconception of how you're perceived to the outside world? 
That's a deep, that's a deep question. Right. Um, that's why I gave it to you. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. You no, know, um, I'll take off the hat for that. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that that exploration, I've always called that the Zen of selling kind of thing. It's like that need for selling, sell, the need to close the deal never fosters closing more deals because people can kind of sense that. And I think that the, the, let's look at origin of ego, I think really for, for kind of the confrontational aspects that, that we were discussing. The, that, that defensiveness, it's like, well, wait, why are they challenging me? You know, I think that you need to come at it more with a softer heart and a softer presence with everything and especially right now. But I think that that having that sense of yourself to know that this is, I am not the focus of what we're trying to do. I'm not, you're not the client. The client is really needs to be at the front of all these discussions rather than you as, as an integrator and how you do things versus the designer wanting to do, do I mean, it's inherently conflictual because we get so many people that are very good at their jobs dealing with from the architect to the HVAC guy down to the security guy to the designer to everybody to what the end user wants and we're always kind of forcing our will upon that. I think that your ability to take the Bruce Lee thing of you know, be like water when, when water is in the cup, it is in a cup. When water is in the teapot, it's in the teapot type approach towards everything you do that you can get a lot more mind share with a softer approach to things and just being a little bit more of listening with two ears as opposed to, as opposed to speaking more. And I think that, you know, that, that the hard part is looking in and turning that off because we are also, we all have strong personalities. <laughs> I mean, it's inherent in this because we're all yeah. really good at what we do, I think. I think that's the hard part. I could recommend some yoga programs and some such like that, but <laughs> we won't go back. That's a different, that's a different uh, seminar. <laughs> well, I mean, present company notwithstanding, there have been many moments at Expo and others where um, you get into that conversation of how a, how a job is sold and you know, and, and the, the stance changes and it's a bit of a peacock and it's kind of, you know, this motion of how big of a jobs you close or how much revenue you have. And when that transfers in the selling space of, well, I'm a big company, I've been around for a long time and I know this and you should just hire me. That's not the best way to build a, a good team, you know, uh, certainly. Um, and when you have some, contrary to that, if someone else is giving you that pushback, I think a good opportunity, opportune teaching moment is to say, well, what would happen if we weren't here? Help the end user, the design professionals, whoever is giving you the obstacle, help them understand your value by removing yourself from the situation and explaining the pain that comes out of the lack of an integrator. You know, oh, well then at the very last minute, you'll realize you're in need wiring. Well, then that's gonna be a time delay or we have to cut it in after the fact. Well, then that's a budget and more time delay. Or we have to do it completely after the fact and run wires over this brand new beautiful space. Well, that's a design impact. Or we can't do this thing that we really wish we could have done because it was so great of a solution, but now we're boxed into this other solution because there's too many walls up and it's gonna cause too much unrest. So when you can, when you can say, well, this is what, and, and if you don't value that, then I can leave, you know, then you can pull all that great stuff away and people will realize like, oh, wow, this really is why you're here and now. Um, yeah. Oh, very good. Mark, Jimmy kind of 
did the segue for me, which is why I asked her to be here so that I had to do less work. Um, but I want to touch on one, one part of this that we haven't touched on yet. And it, it's in, in the listening part of the article. At one point, Jimmy mentioned something along the lines of uh, a designer had said to them, how, how can we expect them to understand what their, their home technology is going to look like if they can't even figure out what their kitchen is going to look like? They're, they're stuck on that, which everyone knows what kitchens look like and how they operate. How do we as an industry better demonstrate or, or explain or, or help people kind of catch the vision of what we're trying to do? Because it's, it's always, and, and I've had these conversations, it's always that abstract thing of you're going to be able to do this and it's going to be beautiful and wonderful and you'll solve the world's problems. Give me a really big check. Yeah, this is another deep question, so I'm going to hand it over to Chad. No I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Chad, same question to you. <laughs> same question to you. <laughs> well, you're really getting into a, a, a sweet spot that I am really passionate about, and that's kind of the art of the sale. And, you know, in the technology industry, and we talk about this in so many different aspects, uh, through seminars, you talk about webinars, and so many integrators, technology people, they tend to talk about the stuff. You know, of course, it goes back to listening with two ears, speaking with one mouth, but it's another segment of that is proper qualification of what that client's looking for and asking those questions is kind of like a funnel. If you ask the right questions and talk to the customer about what they're looking for, it's like an old Zig Ziglar saying, you help enough people get what they want, they'll help you get what you want. And if you do that effectively towards a two-way street, you're asking questions about lifestyle, about usage. You're, you're speaking about product benefits, not about the features. I mean, I love the statement about people sometimes ask you what time it is, and a, and a person that's too ticky builds them a watch. No, tell me what time it is. And, and I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from basic techniques about inter, interfacing with clients about observing around the house so you're in the home you want to talk about you know outdoor audio for example i see you got patio chairs out there what do you do out there do you know you can put music outside oh okay well, i see what do you do in this room is it your living room do your kids play video games or do you like to play with them i mean there's all these leading questions you could ask people whether it's a kitchen or a design like you were saying that um of you know what the customer's end result is going to be because if you sell that end result and the benefit and, and have them envision what this thing will do for them not what it does but what it'll do for them i believe very strongly that you're going to have a much easier path and you're going to get what the client wants in the long run and have an opportunity for to go back and do more things because you're building trust because you're not just selling them stuff you're selling them solutions so oh, i mean that, I, mean, I, I mean this can go really broad in the in the answer but uh that's some basics I love it. Excellent. We are going to wrap there. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Mark, I'll, I'll come back to you. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Clarity AV, where can they do that? Sure. You just go to uh, clarity dash, like the minus sign, AV, like audiovideo.com, or Mark C, or just Mark at clarity dash AV.com. Happy to entertain questions, thoughts, collaborations, whatever. Excellent. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, Jamie, thank you for a providing great content for us with that, that article, uh, but also for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about integration controls, where can they do that? Absolutely. You can find us on the web, integrationcontrols.com. 
Uh, we also use Control STL as our handle on social media for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn, so feel free to look me up there. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Full Tech Solutions, where can they do that? Our website is fulltechsolutions, F-U-L-1-L-T-E-C-H, solutions.com. And they can reach me on my email at dfulmer, D-F-U-L-M-E-R, at fulltechsolutions.com. Awesome. Thank you, sir. And last, but again, certainly not least, uh, Mr. Russell, if people want to connect with you, learn more about all the cool things Josh AI is doing, where can they find that? Chad at josh.ai for any contact to me directly or josh.ai, our website. We're really active on all forms of social media. Um, If you just want to send a general inquiry to anyone on my team, sales at josh.ai as well. Beautiful. Thank you all for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. Uh, right now, you'll also find our Learn From Home conference and all that information is, is right up there on the homepage as well. Uh, if you are a residential individual, we are having that show. Uh, it starts Tuesday Uh, the 7th through the 8th, and some of those uh, sessions will be recorded and will be available after the fact. And then next week, we have our commercial uh, version of the same event. Uh, I believe it's on Thursday and Friday of next week, so definitely take that, check that out. Uh, Also, when you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 